By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. I'm here with Darren Starwin. Now, Darren has a uh, long career as an acupuncturist. He's also an inventor, writer, healer, and teacher, um, teacher of integrated therapeutic systems, and he's done this around the world. He's written four groundbreaking books. He's led hundreds of workshops and seminars, invented several vibrational devices, which I hope to ask questions about today that are being used worldwide. And he's also helped develop advanced mind-body healing systems. Darren, he's inspired basically many colleagues to expand their scope um, of their work to include energy medicine and consciousness-based healing systems. His, his work integrates vibrational energy medicine and multi-dimensional quantum healing, so we'll talk about that, to help people rapidly release old trauma, pain, and limitations to their self-expressions. His latest book is where I learned about Darren. It's called Awakening the Avatar Within, a roadmap for uncovering your superpowers, upgrading your body, and uplifting humanity. Darren, welcome to Conscious Fertility. Well, thank you, Lauren. It's, I know we have a lot in common, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I know. I, I, we only have so much time, and I want to talk about, like again, the similarities. So you practice acupuncture, as I do in my practice. I see that you're using microsystems, microelectrical acupuncture systems, so, right, and, yeah. and, and invented some. So I want to, we have those in my clinic. Uh, I hear you do light work, so I'm thinking photobiomodulation, low-level laser therapy. But it seems like really consciousness is something that you're really interested in. You've had experience with an awakening and conscious work in your childhood, like since a teenager. And I want to see how we can tie this into our mental health and physical health. And um, I'm curious, in the title of your book, Awakening the Avatar Within, you talk about upgrading your body. I kind of want to start there. What do you mean by upgrading your body and, and maybe just kind of give us an idea of what conscious healing and quantum healing means to you. Yeah, well, you're starting out right with a big, nice big question, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, so upgrading a body has a very specific meaning, and it's based a lot on a science which has become very well-researched and popular in recent decades called epigenetics. I'm sure you're familiar with this. Epigenetics has thrown on its ear the old ideas that we learned in high school biology class about genetics like that your traits are something you inherit from your parents based on their dna patterns and you're going to tend to get the diseases they have and have some of the physical traits they have and a lot of things like this and it's been proven now that that's only partially true there is some truth to it but not nearly what we used to think so epigenetics is saying that yes you have all that genetic baggage but what the way you breathe, the way you think, you know, the food you eat, the amount of exercise you do, like there, there's been specific studies showing that all of those things actually modify your DNA and has more effect on how your body's going to be than just what you inherited from mom and dad. Right. So that's that phrase I've heard called, um, you're not your genes, but you, you're what you express. So when you say epigenetics, um, you're talking about the environment. So the the food you eat, the air you breathe, the thoughts and feelings you experience turn yeah. on and off genes. So that's how it's affecting your body is certain genes for longevity and health can get turned on or off based on your environment. And so we have some impact. Um, so you're not necessarily your what you have, you're more about what you express when it comes to genetics. And there's another really important point, and this is a controversial point, but it's something I certainly believe, is that you know, we are aware of the double helix of DNA in our cells and that there's two, right? Double helix. But many researchers say that there's actually many more strands of DNA, and they're called junk DNA by both 
by most uh, researchers, they, they can't explain why 98% of the DNA in the human body is not, it doesn't seem to be replicating any proteins. They say it's junk, it's not doing anything. But you see, from a more enlightened perspective, all that other DNA has a purpose in upgrading our body and raising our consciousness if we just gave it a chance, gave it the right food in a sense. Like, and the food would be thinking thoughts that are much higher vibrational thoughts, like more thoughts about pure love or about forgiveness or about wanting to make the world a better place or you know, compassion, kindness, like and also, so in other words, the more we have those kind of thoughts, and, and there are certain specific kinds of meditation that I've discovered that are different than the way most people meditate, that actually tend to switch on those epigenetic pathways and activate some of that so-called junk DNA so that we actually are operating at a much higher level of our potential. So that's a lot. So, and also upgrading your body means other things too. It actually means like there's a sort of anti-aging that, you know, this is something, you, you know, I've been working with microcurrent for you know, decades. And one thing we learned about microcurrent devices that I developed is that we started using them for pain relief, but then also discovered they could be used for what's called facial and body rejuvenation, like putting the microcurrent electricity and colors of light onto the points on the face and around the thighs and other areas, people would start looking and feeling younger. So it's clear that like, you know, there's different kinds of input that can in some ways, you know, affect uh, our bodies very strongly. Those are just a few examples. And when you talk about on a personal level, I'm just curious. So microcurrent, when you're using the microcurrent on an individual, are you using the device that clips onto a needle or is it just being put onto the skin like a TENS machine or both for your microcurrent systems? We rarely use it to clip onto needles. Uh, the microcurrent device that I've developed is called the Accutron Microlight System. The way it works is that it has two ways of applying the current. One is through sticky patches called TENS pads that you can put onto regions of the body where you want to put microcurrent through it. And you can even treat the whole body at the same time, let's say by running pads between the, the soles of the feet and the palms of the hands. Then we also have probes, which are these wands that the therapist would hold in their hand. And those actually deliver the microcurrent and light to specific small points like acupuncture points or trigger points. And it, it, that is a much more powerful and rapid method than the broad. So it does both those kinds. And what is the mechanism of how the microcurrent is benefiting, say, pain or rejuvenation? Because I know on the traditional electrical acupuncture systems, and that's where in our practice we'll add the system to a needle, um, we have an option for milliamps, which is what a lot of people have used, and yeah. we also have microcurrent. Um, what is the mechanism of microcurrent? Why microcurrent, microcurrent over milliamp? Do you know kind of the mechanism of how it's benefiting the body and the cells? Yes, I, I do. In fact, my very first book was called Microcurrent Electroacupuncture. And that's where I went into great detail about all those mechanisms and techniques. And kind of, kind of sum it up is that there's research showing that microcurrent triggers a tissue regeneration effect. Like now, there are some of the earliest studies from the 1980s and, and even earlier showed that when you apply microcurrent, cellular restoration after damage is accelerated so, and that there's faster wound healing and uh, the body heals with it. So that's one way is that you're actually accelerating. So somebody has pain, you can do things to numb the pain, but if you can actually get the tissues to heal, then all those prostaglandins and different types of you know, substances, pain substances don't need to be created anymore. And that's one way of getting to the root of the pain is actually heal the body of the issue that it had, reduce the inflammation. So that's one way it does it. There, the other way is the acupuncture system, which is acupuncture science says that pain is due to blocked energy of some way. Like there's some energy that wants to flow freely and something is holding it back. And that that's what we call pain. So we've, it's very powerful that these microcurrent treatments can break can kind of like open these blockages sometimes just in a couple of seconds. It's so rapid when we use our, our probe system and then people are able to move more easily and feel less pain. And, and then there's a third way, which is has, it's the more psychological way 
is one of the things we do with the Accutron system is balancing chakras. And chakras are these energy centers in the body that regulate the glands, the organs, the emotions, the nervous system. So we can apply colors of light with microcurrent and um, have in very, some usually just a minute or two, the chakras will balance. And then that's another way of relieving more chronic kinds of pain. So I want to find out a little bit about this quantum healing. And so maybe let us know kind of some of the things that you have observed, some of the anecdotal case studies that you've observed with quantum healing. And then also, what is that quantum healing? Like I always think of consciousness work and quantum. I think of quantum physics and, and I'll admit, I'm not sure I really know what quantum physics is. Can you um, share with us some of your results that you do with quantum healing? And then if, if you can kind of share what, what is the process of what you're calling quantum healing? Thank you for asking that, Laura. That's such a great question. Uh, there's so much to the answer. I'll try to make it as brief as possible. Well, first of all, it's good to know what the word quantum even means, you know, just, just, just to define our terms. And it means a quantity of something. And usually it's referring to energy, like a certain amount of photons of light or a certain amount of electrons, a quanta of photons. So it, it started out with um, some of these researchers in the early 1900s, including Einstein and Bohr's and other people doing research, measuring the behavior of light and things like this. But then there's also the quantum realm of these subatomic particles where they operate in weird, spooky ways that normally physicists wouldn't think they should operate. And so it, it opens up different possibilities than what we believe is possible with our minds. So in a sense, quantum healing, you can say, is a realm of healing where people can have these ex extraordinarily rapid shifts in things that they might have felt stuck in for years or decades. And it happens because when you connect with this quantum level, things are much more fluid and less fixed into defined patterns, and they can shift in, in ways that are uh, sometimes really remarkable. So, you know, to make that more tangible, you asked about like an actual you know, example of that, a clinical example that makes it easier for people to grasp it than those generalities. This is like, for instance, um, I, I worked recently with one man who um, actually was became paralyzed because he had a terrible accident falling off a mountain and in the prime of his life. And not only paralyzed up in, you know, the waist down, but also in terrible pain. And so I worked with him several times. And some of the times it was, you know, we weren't getting too far, but then we had some sessions with him where his pain went way, way down for the first time in like a really, really long time. And while we were doing that, he also got in touch with some childhood memories that he had kind of forgotten about, about some painful things that had happened that he had probably is just a strong, healthy, successful man. He had never taken the time to process those things. And so when we cleared some of those, some of this physical pain that had been tormenting him went down. And you think that's kind of counterintuitive. What would emotions from your childhood have to do with, you know, a serious injury like that? But um, like that was one example very recently. There's also, I can think of one, one great case, one woman who came to me who her complaint was ankle pain. She said, you know, my ankle is hurting. So when I actually talked to her, it was way more than that. She had had a year or two before that, some kind of like um, dizziness and like sort of partial stroke or something that had really affected her nervous system. So she couldn't walk really well. She'd gained a lot of weight because she wasn't exercising and she had brain fog and low energy and all these things. And you know, this person was a very successful entrepreneur, owned all these businesses and it was hard to keep up with it. So when she had her first session with me, I balanced her chakras, did quantum healing, which is working with the energy and the consciousness in various ways. And at the end of the session, she was saying, wow, you know, um, my ankle's not hurting at all now. And I can walk better. My brain is feeling very clear, like for the first time in over a year. And, and then after that, she got really inspired to exercise every day and to walk every day. And she lost weight and, and you know, just basically got in a much more positive thing. The interesting thing is I never even touched her ankle during that whole treatment. The thing that she came in for was like the tip of the iceberg. And we had to work more on this other quantum level. And then all these things in her body got better. 
You know, this brings up a, a thought for me because I, I had an experience going back 18 plus years now, but it's what popped in my head when you shared an ankle story. And I want to talk about this tip of the iceberg, the ankle. So I had somebody that came in with ankle pain uh, many years ago and I, I did all my acupuncture and electrical acupuncture with her, a series of treatments that usually would resolve it and it did not resolve it. And I had been trained in emotional freedom technique, EFT, and she right. was a very left brain type A person. So I was uncomfortable. It was already a stretch for her to come for acupuncture, put it that way. And so I was hesitant to do it, but I was like, I'm never going to see her again. As in, I was about to say, I'm not helping you. She was aware of that. And so I said, can we try this woo-woo technique? I could even give it the, the name because I was embarrassed to say I'm about to do this. Because back then in the early 2000s, think about where we are today. Well, back in the year 2000s, this quantum healing stuff was even weirder. And um, we tapped on the ankle pain, but what came up is her emotional stress around her brother and that they don't talk and all these issues that she had with her brother. She had her tears, she did her tapping, and she felt great relief. And then she got up and walked out of the office and she said, my ankle pain's gone. And so that's what your story reminds me of. And it's going to be, I'm, here's the question why I wanted to share that with your story because they have that parallel. You said that's the tip of the iceberg, the ankle. How is it that you're reaching the public, um, the medical profession? Because even me who wants to believe in this quantum healing, wants to believe in conscious work, even me who's had my own experiences and have seen patients have the experiences, I wonder how you're reaching or communicating to people because what I have come to know is I use many tools in my practice, but I become very aware that I'm not doing the healing. We were trained, you know, in our system that the doctor's healing you, some conventional. They're giving you something and they're fixing you. And even the way we're trained here in the West, I'm fixing you, the acupuncturist. And it became obvious to me in my practice, especially as I got into, I call it conscious work, maybe something you're calling a quantum healing, that I'm like a facilitator, maybe a catalyst that's helping them wake up something in them that does the healing. Like I have zero responsibility to it. I'm just a good cheerleader and, and I'm inspiring something that's triggering it. And I don't know why it doesn't work for everybody. So it's a loaded question as in, you talk about this tip of the iceberg. So how do you communicate to people? Because this does sound a little, we sound really weird and out there when we're talking about this, first of all. So how do you communicate um, with this? Do you have experiences to share um, that give people some comfort to relax a bit and, and be open to it? Um, and I'm questioning, do you think you're doing the healing? Because I've become very clear that uh, it ain't me. I know this because if it was me, then everybody would always get the same results when I, they see me. But it's, you know, some people I'm able to help them activate in them and some people I'm not. Yeah, well, I think that's, I'll start with the most important point is Yes. No, it's, it's not me doing the healing. And I like your word catalyst. Like that's how I describe myself as I call myself a quantum catalyst rather than a quantum healer. I mean, I've, I've used, I used to use the term quantum healer, but I believe this quantum catalyst is much more accurate. And a catalyst means some substance or person that triggers transformation in another substance or another person without yourself being changed another so that's just like a presence it's the presence of something that triggers transformation and i found that to be really true that that I, that seems to be a gift that i have is that i can be with either you know i work a lot with groups as well just finished a 14-week course with doctors and healers that i was training how to do this quantum healing and that that i found that my presence when i'm in a clear place which i'm learning to be in more of the time does tend to trigger other people to do their do inner healing that was very elusive to them previously they weren't able to access it like you know i mean it's amazing I, i've had so many people i work with where they've literally spent years to decades going from one doctor to another and different spiritual teachers and self-help books and trying this diet and that diet and you know going you know going through like all the things that society offers to heal themselves and each thing would help to some extent but it would leave them feeling like the core thing they really wanted, they weren't getting to. And this is such a common thing. I mean, I've heard this hundreds of times from people. And what's really exciting is I'm finding that as I'm trying to doing less in a sense, I'm doing less techniques and less trying to help them with techniques. 
at just being a quantum catalyst, that catalyst is they're often finding those answers that they weren't getting or some of those deep blockages or traumas that they just couldn't access because it was just too difficult like with much less strain than they would have thought. These things are coming up, getting resolved, and they're able to move on with their life. That to me is miracles that I'm seeing with this. And miracles are basically things that are outside of what we can understand with current science and our model of understanding the world. Because I think one day, it'd be like, you know, 100 years ago, showing somebody your phone and doing FaceTime with somebody, right? Yeah, right. That would be considered a miracle back then. <laughs> that would be considered, you know, 100 years ago, it's a miracle. Or, you know, 200 years ago, telling somebody that can only, that lifespans into the 80s and some to the hundreds when everybody else was dying at 30 something right and so well, that would be a miracle if somebody puts their iphone away and is able to function without it today, for 10 minutes. Yeah, be the know, it'd be a miracle you know in your new book awakening the avatar within what is an avatar let's just start there because that's your title of your book awakening the avatar within yeah well there's a, the specific meaning of avatar comes from a sanskrit word avatara that means descent and it's referring to the descent of this high consciousness source, you know, called God source, the divine, that that infinite consciousness and love and source and power actually focuses itself into a specific human body. And then that person that, that be, had, does some kind of big purpose to help rock the world and basically make some big changes in the world. So that's, that's the definition of an avatar, um, a human being who is, strongly and consciously embodying that, you know, higher God consciousness. And in, I mean, in a sense, you could say all people have that in all, every human being has that inside of them, but this is like somebody who's actually conscious of it and is doing a, a some kind of major purpose because of it. That's what an avatar is. So it's my understanding then, because I've heard different terms from people I've read or interviewed is it's a form of consciousness. You're waking up and there's there's this consciousness that's out there and it's in you, but it's like the electricity. The, the potential is always there, um, but until you click the switch, the light doesn't go on, but the, it's always, the, the potential is there. So somehow this potentials there and your book and the work that you do is on how to turn that switch on basically so you can access it connect to it become aware of it yes that that's certainly the case and i see it like uh, avatars in past ages like the famous ones like jesus or buddha or Kuan yin like they were anomalies they were kind of like the i call them the early responders or the prototypers that like they showed at a time in history where was, there was very little to support that kind of shift that that a human being could be an avatar and I'm, I'm going to use one other word which i know we talked earlier sort of an emotionally charged word and that's christ i personally grew up jewish where that word had no meaning to me so i don't have any programming about it but I, the meaning of the word christ is the anointed one and i think it's just another way of referring to an avatar which in other words it's just a different cultural way so and i know many people hear that word and think of like some you know traumatic experiences from being brought up in a in a, in a like a religious home where they were repressed if you can just let go of all that a moment just the literal meaning of avatar or christ or buddha they're all kind of mean very similar things they're from different cultures but they all refer to a human being who's awakened to that that divine self inside of them and is radiating use the word light more they actually literally radiate more light from their dna literally puts out light and you know i've actually seen studies where scientific equipment's used to measure the light that's emanated from dna molecules and it actually does glow to put off light so you'd wonder why would something inside the body where you don't really need light be emanating light you know it's important to to emphasize that the cells of our body emits photons light yes. And certain people emit more photons, emit more light. So it's not just a, an expression, right? It is an actual scientific observation, measurable fact that we emit light. It is. And, and so the thing I want to say is that I feel like those ancient avatars that became religions were, were focused around were like the early prototypers. They came to show what's possible. And what the big mistake that religions make, and again, I'll say a controversial thing here, is they take those early prototypers and put them up on a pedestal and say, we're, we're worshiping you now because you are this unique you know, being that nobody else can do. And that's exactly the opposite of why the avatars came. They came to say, 
oh no, no, what we're doing, you're supposed to now do it. You know, we're here just to show that any any human being can take on this light and upgrade their body and live as an avatar. And as a matter of fact, if you don't do it, the world's going to go into some pretty deep doo-doos, which is what we're... <laughs> so I see it like now, this is the time for ordinary people like us to be avatars, not just a superstar, rock star who comes and starts a big religion. But you know, this is the time for everyday people to live, to awaken as avatars. You know, you mentioned that they were there to set an example. And so it makes me think of Roger Bannister, who broke the four minute mile, it was considered humanly impossible okay. to not be able to run that mile, that four minute mile. And soon as he broke it, I think the next person broke it three weeks later. <laughs> yeah, good, good example, right? right. Unfortunately, um, we the, we haven't had that three week after the Buddha, the Christ, the uh, Kuan Yin, all these other um, people that have awakened and have done what looks like miracles. So, well, hope, hopefully you're, you're right that we are all awakening and we have this capability. It's what has drawn me to our Conscious Fertility podcast because it sounds seems like the planet could benefit from healing. That's an observation mm -hmm. I, I'm making. Other people probably could agree to that. And I, I like this idea um, that I've heard and I subscribe to that if we all awaken and become conscious, um, then we'll go from competition to cooperation and we'll feel connected versus separate. So that that's the dream. That's the vision. That's why we're having our conversation today, right? If people go and do their inner work, they don't have to go and work on the outside world. They do their inner work and they shift then that shift will get reflected to them. That shift will affect the outside world. I think of us as we're like Wi-Fi systems. And as we emit more light or awaken, we're, we're putting out a different Wi-Fi signal and it's affecting everybody around us because we're connected. This is what I'm subscribing to and hoping for. However, we see so many corporations and leaders and individuals who seem to be misusing their power and their influence. And a lot of people seem to be suffering. It seems like we're having a global trauma for people. And so since in your book, you say lots of us are awakening to our avatars. We don't just have the three religions that were kind of three or four religions that were built, but it seems like everybody's starting to step into their awakening. What can we really do then to help create a fair, more just world? What is, what are your thoughts and approaches for that? Wow. That's, it's a, it's a big question with a big answer. And I, Appreciate you giving me the chance to uh, address that. There's a lot to that. You know, on one hand, I think it's been proven throughout human history that human beings tend to get along with each other fairly well unless they're agitated by what I'll call greedy leaders or aggressive, you know, conquering kind of leaders that. Like a good example is that in the early 1900s, there was Jewish settlements and Arab settlements in the Middle East. And they, were, they just kind of got along with each other. They didn't, they were fine. You know, they, in fact, that the Arabs actually welcomed these Jews coming from, you know, in there because they were helping their living standards and, and they weren't forming all this big war. But then when these Western powers came in and started uh, carving up the area and and you know, doing different things, there is certain elements among that that wanted to agitate and create discord and and you know disinformation, just like we're seeing now. And then eventually became this big enemy thing, this big you know between Jews and Arabs, and wars eventually happened. So there's been so many examples of that. So I, I feel like there's actually elements in our in our world that are purposely trying to agitate the human race and have us be more in conflict because they benefit from us being in conflict. And that's such a big subject. I don't think I could totally do justice to, you know, there's, I, I mean, I guess this is going out on the limb of it, but there's both human and non-human elements to those agitators who are agitating the human race and pushing us into much more negative states than we would normally choose if we were, you know, left. And I see that in the United States as well. So, so I think the solution is something that I would call a tipping point. And, and you know, in a big part of the dark, dark forces in the world is focused through what's called the negative patriarchy. And that's the over control of the male energy over feminine energy. Because feminine energy is the part, I mean, it's not just in women, men have feminine energy too. Everybody has it. 
but it's the feminine energy that kind of knows how to work things out. Like let's sit down, roll up our sleeves and just work these things out. Let's cooperate. Let's find a solution. That's the feminine energy. The male separated out male energy is more like power over other people, you know, going for as much personal aggrandizement as possible when it's separated from the feminine energy. But when the two are in cooperation, which is how we're designed, we have things work, things flourish. So I think that this, this male patriarchy that's grabbed control of our money systems and our political systems, and it's, it's running rampant and it's really getting ready to destroy our planet unless we come into a greater balance. So I see a, like a tipping point shifts of consciousness, like going geometrically rapid shifts of consciousness back toward that more balanced state between our male and female selves within ourselves, in our communities, you know, in our governments. And that that is a, a definite elevation of consciousness. And it happens by people acting as catalysts. You know, the more people that are quantum catalysts and can trigger these shifts in others, it, it can start going extremely quickly. And that's what a tipping point is. It's when something small happens and giant shifts happen in a short amount of time in society. You know, that was proven in the book, um, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. He gave all these wonderful examples of how giant trends in society that affected millions of people started with one or two people doing something that just happened to catch um, people's attention. What would you be asking of our listeners then to get to be part of that tipping point? And I know the interest we have is reproductive health for the people that listen. And so I think people still have to know what's in it for me, right? There's like, okay, you got to do this because you're going to help heal the world. Um, you'll be a catalyst. But what's in it for them? If, if they start to do the conscious work, the quantum healing or become a quantum catalyst, how can this potentially impact them? Actually, yeah, you know, this is a very, very interesting thing about for people that are interested in becoming pregnant, you have an amazing opportunity through epigenetics to affect this child through your, your thoughts, your meditations, and really the, you know, how the kind of input you put into your, yourself. And there, I just read this amazing book. I have a friend named Marguerite Rigoglioso, and she wrote a book about Mother Mary, and I mean, I don't remember the exact title now, The Immaculate Conception, something like that. And she did a lot of research into ancient texts and through science and so on. And what she's saying is that, you know, Jesus was this amazingly, you know, powerful being, prototyping all these higher abilities. And, and that Mary actually should have a lot of credit for that, because while she was carrying Jesus in her womb, she was doing all this meditation and and visualization and eating special foods and doing sound healing. And I mean, she, in other words, she was really do, like a spiritual master doing all these things to affect this baby growing in her womb so that he would end up being like a Superman and that she did it very deliberately and that the Bible doesn't say that. That just sees her as just like, you know, a, a holy, nice woman who happened to have this child. But according to like this woman's research, it wasn't that way. It was very deliberate. So I'd say that the benefit to you is by you raising your consciousness and activating your DNA. And in other words, coming into a much more positive state where your, your male and female sides are more in harmony. If you are, you know, wanting to become pregnant or wanting to become, you know, you're going through fertility, you're going to be bringing a much more positive energy to this child and probably a much better chance that the child will be healthy. And, and I mean, I don't have any evidence to know it actually will cure forms of infertility. I haven't done that research, but from what I do know of Chinese medicine, I can see where that is very likely because certain forms of infertility are based on blood, not being rich enough with nutrients. One of the reasons blood, why does blood get less rich in nutrients has a lot to do with people's emotions, actually, you know, so all these things tie together. I mean, in Chinese medicine, you know, because you, you're from the same field, we, we learned that each organ in the body not only has physiological functions, but it has a consciousness function, an emotional function. And so like, for instance, the liver has a great deal to do with the emotion of anger or just that feeling of kind of need sometimes to just cut through the crap and, you know, and just make something happen in the world. And then like the heart has a lot to do with the emotion of joy or when it's on the downside, depression and anxiety and, the, the lungs have to do with the emotion of grief. So basically 
we know scientifically that blood is generated, I mean, partially by the spleen and partly in the blood and the bone marrow. And so, you know, from the viewpoint of Chinese medicine, if you're in a much more positive emotional state, a more loving state, you're going to directly affect those organs through the principles of epigenetics, and they're going to turn out higher quality blood. You know, more in others, all these functions work better when a person's in a positive state. And this has been shown in research studies over and over again. And to bring back this talk about epigenetics and the Chinese view of this, since we both have this as our background, there's this concept to our listeners in Chinese medicine called prenatal jing or essence and postnatal right. jing in yes. essence. And I think, and this is thousands of years old, um, and the idea of genetics and epigenetics, this prenatal gene is your genes, and this postnatal gene is your kind of like epigenetics, meaning um, once you're born, how you eat, live, your environment is going to impact your health. And the prenatal is before you're born. So this is what Darren is talking about, how you have this influence, and he's talking the biblical Mary had an influence uh, on Christ and before he was born is how she thinks and feels. And we now know more from a Western perspective, the three months, 100 days leading up to conception is when the egg and the sperm are being impacted. So it's not just when you're pregnant, but what you're doing, and this is why so many of the Chinese medicine practitioners that you probably have seeked out are looking at your diet, they're looking at your lifestyle, sleep, rest, they're looking at, um, so exercise, work, sleep. They're looking at nutrients, supplements. They're recommending acupuncture and herbs because they want blood flow. And then um, I know in the West, once you're pregnant and they get the uh, early ultrasound, they kind of say, you're graduated, you're done. But in Chinese medicine, the goal is healthy baby and the healthy mom, right? And so they're working with you throughout the pregnancy because you're still impacting basically epigenetic of the child, you're basically influencing the health blueprint of your child. You're still setting the stage to that child's telomere length and just how their genes are going to function, right? And risk of disease or benefit of health. And so that time before you're pregnant, at least three months, and throughout your pregnancy, you're imprinting on this future child. And that's what Darren was sharing. And the purpose of conscious fertility talks and what we're talking about is, yeah, there's vitamins and there's diets and there's sleep and there's exercise, all that. And there's acupuncture and we're learning microcurrent for blood flow and rejuvenation of the cells, laser therapy as well. We think the missing link, I think what we, where we really aligned on this, Darren, is this mental, emotional and a spiritual or this conscious approach, this quantum catalyst approach. To me, it seems to be a missing link and it seems to be hitting that tipping point where more and more people are realizing I'm doing everything, IVF, I'm doing all these supplements, everything, something's still not right. Like they're just feeling emotionally not right or they're not seeing the outcomes they want. And the suggestion here is this approach can make you feel whole again. We can't promise that you'll have a baby, but we can promise that you will feel whole and complete or that's the goal. And I'm just curious, that's what I'm thinking. Is this something that you're aligned with as well, or uh, or are we not seeing eye to eye on this on this point? I totally agree with everything you just said, and you know, in my latest book, Awakening the Avatar Within, it does have practices and specific exercises that you can do to actually um, put yourself in that state of quantum flow and quantum healing. So it's not just a philosophy; it's it's actually practices, and that's what I think you know really makes the difference. So. You know, if you are um, a person who's um, wanting to get pregnant or wanting to uh, be, you know, become fertile, if you're having trouble with that, doing these kind of practices, again, I don't have any clinical proof and research studies to back this up. I'm just saying based on having been a clinician and worked with thousands of people over the last like 25 years, is that if you do these, it's going to have definite effects on upgrading your body to, to some extent. It just depends on how much you put yourself into it. I mean, I had one teacher from China who actually made the claims that if you do spiritual practice enough hours every day, like, you know, like, a, like really devote yourself to it, that you can actually reverse the age of your body and approach immortality. You know, if, if you're actually willing to do four or five hours of, you know, special chance and practices, I never was that motivated to try it out to see if that was true. But I, I, well, I, I was I, your, I, was your, te was your teacher 10? <laughs> like, did it work for the, your teacher <laughs> or do they look like an old Chinese man? 
Well, actually, he, that guy did, was a pretty good walking advertisement. I mean, you know, he was had so much energy all the time. He was amazing. You know, he could. I guess he was in his sixties when I knew him. I'm not studying with him anymore, so I don't know what it'll be like when he's a hundred. But I, I'd say he was a pretty good walking advertisement for this. But I'd say that, but you know, these actually doing the practices makes a huge difference. So you know, we're not. I think the, what the freedom of epigenetics is teaching us is you don't have to feel stuck in because your parents had certain conditions or because you were healthy, unhealthy, or in your earlier age, that you're stuck in that, that you actually have a lot more freedom to remake your body, remake your mind by choosing to, by using these practices. You know, because you can't promise things. And like you said, this hasn't been researched. Um, although there's lots of research on this conscious type work and energy healing, but it makes me think of, um, why I'm motivated for myself and why I share these practices with the patients I see comes from something I read in Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. And he says that when you're truly in the present moment, which I think when I read your book, that's kind of what's happening. You're getting to this present moment. Some people call it the quantum field, zero point field. You're tapping into something beyond this 3D world, beyond what we understand. You talk a lot about different dimensions, multi-dimensions. We're tapping into something that we totally don't yet understand with materialistic Newtonian physics, but people seem to describe with more quantum physics and other science, new science. What he says, though, let me get to the point here, is that when you're in that present moment, there's three basic options. You can remove yourself from the situation consciously, or you can change or improve the situation consciously. And if you can't remove yourself from the situation, trying to get pregnant, right? Change or improve the situation, improve your fertility. You can continue to surrender to what is because you can be at peace in an unhappy situation. And for me, that's what's motivated me is we can't promise not everybody's going to end up having a baby. However, those that don't have a baby, a lot of them suffer and it adds more trauma, fertility trauma. And it would be a gift if they can go on with their life and still want that baby, that they never, it's not that they stop wanting it, but it doesn't cause suffering, that they are at peace with not having that child. While again, our goal is always to do everything we can to help them reach their peak fertility potential. So this is my interest of this quantum healing or this catalyst that you're calling it. And we were talking here, um, so I wanted to bring that up. and. I think this work where I think it has an effect on the physical level, and I'm pretty sure I read this in your book because you, you do refer to that, that understanding of psychoneuroimmunology, right? Yes. That, right. And so maybe touch on that a bit because it's not all woo-woo. Like they are studying how your thoughts and emotions do have a physical impact. Well, I first want to address the word woo-woo because that's one of my pet peeves about that. Or not peeves, but just sort of humor in a way that there's this attitude among so many people that, if somebody speaks about certain aspects of their own truth, like who they actually are as a being, like knowing that knowing who they are, uh, if that they that they step out of the bounds of like this domesticated little box of definition that people are brought up in, that they're woo woo. And I, I see I think it's exactly the opposite. I think it's those people that are denying the truth of who they are and are trying to keep themselves in a little box of intellectual ego-based identity they should be called woo-woo because they're that's a much more artificial state than you know like in other words there's a there's a one of the chapters in my book is that the taboo against knowing who you really are and and so in that chapter i'm saying that like in other words when you there's this deep fear people have programmed that you're not allowed to know who you actually are you can just know your personality and your mind and your body and these attributes but to know yourself as a divine being well, that's woo woo. So in other words, that's just one interesting thing where like it's complete opposite of actually how I think the truth is. And th and thank you for doing that because I often call it woo woo because in the world I work in, um, a lot of it with IVF doctors, this would be outside their box, and yeah, I wouldn't belong. Right, this is out there. But you know what? It made me. This is what popped in my head. It makes me think of. I'm sure when Copernicus said that, you know, I think it's the earth that goes around the sun and not the sun around the earth. 
I'm sure a lot of people were saying that's woo woo. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Look look outside. You can't you tell that the sun's going around the earth? Just stand and watch. We can see the sun rotate around the earth. I think you're a little woo woo. So he might have had to talk to his colleagues saying, I got a little woo woo idea here. So I do get what you're saying and, and the point that I'm taking from this, Darren, is yeah, I gotta be true to myself because that's when the flow and receptivity happens. When you're not being authentic, that's when you get we you get what we call stagnation. And you talked earlier about blood flow. We need blood flow to the reproductive system. And if you can't be true to yourself, that's a form of stagnation and that prevents circulation and vitality or what you call chi flow. So it's important to be authentic. And that may be the guy that's a scientist that they believe in only Newton, but they have to be authentic. That's the key, I think, that you meant. So thank you for that. So let's talk about quantum catalysts and forget what I said about the woo-woo stuff, because you're (laughs) right. I do, I'm open to this. I want to believe in this. And that's why I interview people like you to share what you've learned from the literature and the data that you have gone through and collected and created a book to share your knowledge and experience with. Say it loud. I'm woo-woo and I'm proud. <laughs> woo-woo and I'm proud. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming conscious, I'm evolving, and I'm proud. Yeah, right. Yeah, so... We were going to talk about psychoneuroimmunology. Yeah, psychoneuroimmunology. It's a branch of Western medicine that has had has a, it's, its own journals, and it's lots of research studies that have gone on since at least the 1970s and got bigger in the 80s. And, and basically, you know, what it is is the study of how the mind affects disease. And they focus a lot on cancer. That's one of the big ways that a lot of their studies are into. So uh, they've clearly shown in in numerous studies that the way somebody thinks or the things that they visualize have a tremendous effect on whether cancerous tumors grow or whether they go into remission. And so it's been tracked very well. I've seen other um, studies out of Europe from a system that's called uh, biogenealogy, where they can literally, by the emotional issue that somebody has or unresolved traumas or shocks, predict which organ the, the cancer is going to show up in. I mean, it's remarkable stuff. That's it. So basically, what um, this is something that it is, it's, it's, it's well established. This, you know, my mind body aspect of medicine has been well known for a long time. And it has really affected mainstream medicine quite a bit. I mean, even, even you know, the so called straight doctors are much more aware that. People have to have good nutrition in order to get better. They're much more aware that, you know, the, the roles of stress or the roles of, you know, like for instance, when I was a little, when I was a baby, doctors actually told pregnant women, they suggested, they, they suggested for them to smoke so they'd be more relaxed during their pregnancy. I mean, that's how ignorant they were. They didn't know that that was a teratogen that could cause, you know, fetal abnormalities. And they, so, but now we, even mainstream medicine has embraced more of this idea of psychoneuroimmunology, but there, there's also a specialty within it. So I, I've done a lot of work with cancer patients in my practice. And again, I've seen how much the location of their cancer, like which organ it's in or which type it is, is tremendously connected with their unresolved emotional issues. And I, I think when it comes to infertility, I'm not, that's not an area of great expertise for me, but I certainly have known a lot of people that have struggled with. It's really important to look at the role of the mind and the emotions you know, in that. And there's, there's specific things that a person could do in order to really improve the likelihood that if it is possible for them to become fertile, that, that it will be much more likely. And that's what we're doing here is how can we optimize your chances and let's bring in the mind body connection and so the mind and the body are not separate and then there's this whole other understanding or a whole other potential of upgrading the body that really isn't in mainstream medicine that you're not hearing about but people are starting to explore more people are talking about it more people are getting comfortable that are scientists that are have their doctorates and they're doing research in this area to understand it and so I think the tipping point that you talked about, I think we're in it. I think we're seeing it happen today. Yes. And uh, I think we we have hope. Even though it looks like things aren't so great in the world, sometimes pain moves us quicker. And so maybe there's something that's going to be good that's coming out of what's happening we see in the world. And uh, and for the people that are struggling to have to grow their f- families, hopefully this turns into a catalyst for them to awaken, as you call it, their avatar. So they not only can have a child, but have a, an amazing life. So I would like to say, you know, a final message to people listening to this. First of all, thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest in, in the subject. And that, 
you make more of a difference than you may believe. You know, if if you feel bad looking at the, all the disasters going on in our planet and how much suffering people are going through and that maybe you're going through as a result of all these things, you can make a bigger difference, a bigger impact because every human being has that avatar inside, like that, that God divine being. And we're trained from childhood to dumb ourselves down, basically. I mean, that's why I can put it, you know, to, to de-emphasize our most powerful, beautiful parts and to more function in a way that'll fit into society, which is, you know, more intellectual or more goal-oriented or, you know, more doing things that we're trained, you know, to have value in. Or, um, but I tell you, it, it, you're, it's never too late to make a shift, to make a significant shift to reprioritize yourself toward your inner avatar. And there is this like thing that one person elevates their consciousness in some way, it helps every other person on the planet because we're all interconnected. So I just want to encourage you, like, you know, don't look at the world and get discouraged. Just the best way to get even with the, all the bad stuff in the world is get happy. Find that um, inspiration that when you start feeling your own light increasing, it, it tends to make you happy even when things around you maybe don't look so good. And then you become part of the solution. One last thing I'd like to say is I, I have a new website called lightworkerministry.com. That's L-I-G-H-T, then Lightworker Ministry. And that I put a lot of my best videos, classes, courses. And we also have on that website, there's also live Zoom meetings every other week that are very high energy that really help you bring out your avatar and awaken your consciousness and heal deeply. So a lot of great resources there. If any of the things I'm speaking about are for interest to you, lightworkerministry.com. So I want to direct you to Darren Starwin's book as well called Awakening the Avatar Within, a roadmap for uncovering your superpowers, upgrading your body, and uplifting humanity. So he talks more about some of the tools and techniques to help wake up that avatar, what I call that consciousness inside of you, so you can um, have that catalyst or quantum healing experience. Darren, thank you very much for today. Thanks for having me on, Lauren. It's really been fun talking with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious and for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe.